What does pastor mean? You know, that's a word we throw around a lot in our culture and in our churches. Pastor, pastor this, pastor that. Matter of fact, not only in our culture, if you take a look in the world around us, and if you read the news, we get some pretty bad images of the pastors. We hear about pastors that are abusing or using women, money, and power. And we read about that in the, in the papers. We hear about it in the news. We get discouraged. We see churches hurt. We see people hurt. I've met people here that have been in churches that have been hurt by pastors. Hopefully, I haven't hurt too many. But, you know, there's people who have had bad images and bad experiences with pastors. So we have this North American image And we have this experience that we had that paints in our hearts and minds what a pastor is. I want to take a look at scripture this morning and say, what is a pastor? So start by turning to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Ephesians 4, verse 11. This is the only use of the English word pastor in the New Testament. So uh, pay close attention. Verse 11, he says this. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. And Gary, you modeled that so well. I've heard it over and over again. Not only have you cared for people, you've cared for them in the context of God's word and ministering to them God's word, a pastor teacher. This is a special group of leaders that Jesus has given to the church. Matter of fact, if you look up in the context, look up at verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was giving according to the measure of Christ's gift. Christ gave a gift. When did he give a gift? Well, it's when he ascended to heaven. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, the next two verses, he talks about that first part of verse 8, the ascension, and talks about now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? And he who descended is himself also he who ascended far above the heavens so that he might fill all things. So in other words, when Jesus ascended to heaven, according to verse eight, he gave gifts to men. So let me read this to you starting in verse eight and tell you very fair to understand what are those gifts. There it's, for it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now skip down to verse 11. After speaking of the ascension, it said, and he gave. These were the gifts that God gave to the church of Jesus Christ. Some apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. Gary, you've been a gift from God to Moraine Valley Church. It's hard for you to accept, but that's what the Word of God says. And we are so grateful because, brother, you, and we've had a legacy here. Go back to Bill Johnson and Clem Billhorn and um, 
our good brother Bill Mills. We've had a legacy of pastors who weren't surrounded by controversy, but men that laid down their lives for their flock. And you modeled that for us as well. That's what a pastor does. But you know, this is the only English word of pastor in the New Testament. But the same Greek word is used over and over again in other places. In other words, you could interpret this word with another word. And I want you to, I think I have it on a PowerPoint, actually. It's in John chapter 10. And when we understand this other word, this Greek word that is used, the exact same Greek word for pastor, we get a window into it. I'm the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The exact same Greek word, both of them being a noun describing the person, the work. And that is the word shepherd is the same word as pastor. It could read like this. Jesus could have said, I'm the good pastor. And the good pastor lays down his life for the sheep. The same word. And so now we get a little different window into what a pastor is doing. You know, they're shepherding. And here's the unique thing about Jesus. You'll like this one, Gary. Watch this. And I am the definite article, Greek usage, par excellence. Jesus is the par excellent good shepherd in a class of his own. Nobody else like him. He's a one-of-a-kind shepherd. Gary, will we get an amen to that one? Amen. Jesus is the par excellent shepherd. He's the par excellent shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. The one-of-a-kind, nobody else like him. That's what a pastor is. It's, it, it takes a word from the world of caring for sheep and pastoring, shepherding, caring for the needs of the sheep. That's what a pastor does because they care. And one of the words that God uses to describe us is sheep. Did you know that in scripture? Do you know it's not really a compliment? <laughs> sheep are not, I won't go into how weak and vulnerable and stupid sheep are, but that's what God says. We are kind of like that and we need shepherds to watch over us as we walk through this world. And so when you trace the word shepherd through scripture and you understand what their work is, let me tell you what, what a shepherd does. First of all, they seek the lost. They seek the lost sheep from the fold and they bring them into the fold. They bring back the sheep that have wandered away and they gotten out away from it and they're in a place of danger. They go find those that have wandered away and they bring them back. A shepherd or a pastor, they tend to the needs of the hurting and the needy and the weak. They feed the healthy so they will stay healthy. They lead their flock and they lead them. A shepherd of God leads them with God's heart and with God's word. I like what Tom Yakeley said to me once. He said, a leader leads from God's word and leads people back into God's word. Because there we get the heart and the mind of Jesus on how he wants us to live. And a shepherd protects and delivers the flock from danger. That's the work of a pastor. 
That's the work of a shepherd. And you've already heard stories. We tell you story after story of how, Gary, you've done that for us here at Moraine. So I, I got a simple question this morning for us. How do we move on? How do we move on when a guy like Gary, who has so gently and with the hand of Jesus and his word has cared for us? He's being removed from that position at Moraine. You know how, you, you know the old saying? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's true, isn't it? People really don't care for you. I really don't care what you have to say. <laughs> and, and you know what? People in the church, to be honest with you, aren't going to stay. You can have the best preaching in the world. We don't. But if we had the best preaching in the world at Moraine, but nobody cared, people would be gone. Matter of fact, we could have the best worship in the world. We may have that. But if nobody cares for you, you say, man, I, I, a lot of other churches got worship too. And they got good preaching. And I can turn on the radio and listen to worship all day and go to a concert. But if nobody cares, they're gone. We could have the best mission. It's the first time I ever put the word mission and vision together in one. That was pretty talented. I couldn't do it if I tried. But mission, vision, and strategy. You could have the best one in the world and really appeal to, and that's our difference between the, the business world and the church. The business world, you know what the bottom line is? It's profit. So they have a mission and a vision and a strategy to make profit. In our church, we have a mission, a vision, and a strategy. Our bottom line is people. And our work as pastors and in a church is to come alongside people and help them in their walk with Jesus, whether it's to find Jesus or to walk with Jesus. But you know what, guys? If we don't carry on with that kind of care, people really don't care all the good stuff that could be happening at Moraine. And so, how do we replace a guy like Gary who's leaving the staff today? I want to suggest a few things. First of all, we're not going to replace the person. Um, but we are going to replace, what we have to do is replace the work. Be very frank with you, we're not a church that's a wealthy church and we can just go say, we can hire somebody else to come in and do what Gary did so that can continue on. We just don't have those kind of resources. And so we've got to find a different solution. So it isn't just finding another person or a couple people can do what Gary did. But what we as a church need to do is say, how do we carry on the work of pastoring, of shepherding at Moraine Valley Church so people feel loved? I want to suggest three things. The first one is in 1 Peter chapter 5. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter five. And you know, I want to apply this in this one. I'm speaking to the elders. And I, some, I think it might have been Dave that said it, uh, but it, really I speak to the staff because you know what, staff? 
Our responsibilities are very similar to elders. We're not here just to run programs. We're here to care for people and shepherd them into the presence of Jesus in whatever way they need it. So I want to speak to the elders and to the staff in particular right now in what it says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, I, exalt, I exhort the elders among you, and let me exhort the staff among you, as your fellow elder and fellow staff member, and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, that was Peter, shepherd the flock of God among you. Now we've changed from the noun for pastor and shepherd to the verb of pastor and shepherd, the same Greek word, but now he's saying, do the work of a shepherd. Care for the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, not under force, where I got to, I have to, it's my job, but voluntarily. And according to the will of God, and not for sword gain, not to use people and things where I can kind of pad my pocket, but with eagerness. And that is lording it over them, abusing that power. Not lording it over those who are allowed to charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, the shepherd par excellent, Jesus appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So the first way that we continue to be a church that cares for one another in a deep way and shepherd one another is for the pastors and the elders to recognize we're just not in a position, we're just not on a board, we just don't have a ministry, don't have a program to run, we don't have a mission vision strategy to make sure everything's in line with. We gotta do all those in the context of caring gently for the people of God, leading and loving and meeting their needs. That, that's, that's what God says, that's our role if you're a pastor, if you're an elder, if you're a staff member. Let me give you a second suggestion how we replace the work of Gary. There's a thing in scripture called the one another's. The one another is, uh, it's the reciprocal pronoun in English. What that means, reciprocal means to return in due measure. What I do for you, Glenn, you should do for me. And we do it not just, I'm gonna do it with you 100%, you give me 5% back, I'm giving you 100, you're giving me 100. Reciprocal means that we're ministering to one another with, with, like that, okay? Well, let me tell you, when you study the, the reciprocal pronoun in the New Testament, you understand the one another responsibilities. We're to be devoted to one another. Now, I'm not talking to the staff or the elders. I'm talking to every person in this room. This is what God says is to be true of our relationships with one another. We're to be devoted to one another. We're to be subject to one another. Somebody comes up and says, hey man, I got a concern there. We need to listen to that. We need to back off. We need to submit to one another. Teach one another. It isn't just we go to church on Sunday and hear a message from the pulpit. Actually, I pray every Sunday that there's a lot of ministry that takes place as you visit with one another and you're speaking God's word to one another and truth as you listen and hear and during the week. 
We're to encourage one another. Admonish, say, hey, I, 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 that's not good. Oh, don't go there. It's not a good way to go. We're to greet one another. Not just one guy standing at the door or a team that's been given the responsibility to shake hands as people walk in. Every one of us should be looking for somebody we don't know to greet and welcome them into the church. And beyond greeting, it's called hospitality. You know what hospitality means? It means love of strangers. That means every one of us shouldn't be running looking for our friends every Sunday. We should be running and looking for somebody who's new, who's outside the circle, who can feel welcomed. That's our responsibility to one another. We're to accept one another, stimulate one another to love and good deeds. We're to bear with one another, serve one another, love one another, confess our sins to one another. You see, when we start living like that with one another, <sighs> all right, and look at that, the wind's trying to blow it away on me. When we do that, the work that Gary was doing multiplies and expands and even touches the body in a deeper way. In many ways, we've been gifted and spoiled by Gary because Gary will do that. Well, guess what? Who's going to do it now? Me and you. That's the way it always is designed to be from God's Word. And then finally, I want to give you one last one. It's in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25. I have it on a PowerPoint. If you want to look at it in your text, whichever way you desire. But you know, Galatians talks about each person bearing one another's burdens. That's what we just talked about, one another's. But also talks about bearing your own, carrying your own load. And I want to encourage you with something. Every one of us needs to learn how to carry our own load when it comes to shepherding by trusting Jesus to shepherd us. Some sit back and say, I got needs, I got problems, where's the people? No, I got problems, I got needs, I, I, I got to get on my knees before Jesus. And I need Jesus to shepherd me. Because I love the context of this in 1 Peter chapter 2. In verse 11, he says this, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world, as believers, to abstain from fleshly lust. And lust means desires. It's not just sexual thing, but the word lust in Scripture is talking about desire, deep desires. Abstain from the fleshly lust which wage war against the soul. Have you ever felt that war in your soul? I have. Matter of fact, there's that old song, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. You know, guys, our souls, there's a war going on as we got the world, the devil, and the flesh that are constantly working on us. What do they call Satan? The enemy of our soul who's working to destroy our lives from the inside. But then we come to this verse here down at the end of chapter 2 in verse 25 that says this. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you've returned to the shepherd and guardian of your soul. Guys, this is just an out 
external work we do with one another. This is an internal work with the indwelling spirit of Jesus living in me. Greater is he who is in me than he is in the world. Jesus, the indwelling Christ who's come and made his home in every believer. We need to rely upon him to shepherd my soul so that when my soul begins to wander, who brings it back? When my soul becomes needy, am I looking to other people and draining them, saying, man, you gotta meet my needs? Or am I turning to Jesus and saying, Jesus, you gotta meet the deepest needs of my soul? Are we allowing Jesus to speak to us as we get in his word and let him fill our souls and make us healthy? Are we allowing him to lead us step by step, word by word, thought by thought? Are we allowing the shepherd to lead us in the core of our being? Are we trusting him to protect us? Are we trusting all the external things we can do or other people? Or are we kind of bearing our own load and say, Jesus, I need you. And then Galatians comes in because sometimes the load that each one of us is bearing is more than one can handle on their own. So guess what? That's when we need others to help us. And we need to learn as a church and as individuals how to rely upon Jesus as the guardian and the shepherd of my soul, not looking to somebody else first, but looking to Jesus first. And then as Jesus brings other people into my life to help me carry it. That's how we make it through this world. And brothers and sisters, when we become a church like that, where the pastors and the others, the whole team, not just, well, that's Gary's job. Gary will do that, tell him to call Gary. But everybody says, hey man, this is my job. And when each one of us say, it's not just their job, it's my job to care for the people around me. And not just the people that I know, but even the people I don't know. And when each one of us learns to depend upon Jesus in the core of our being to shepherd the deepest needs of my life, we'll be the kind of church where people are gonna say, I wanna come there, because they really care. Now I care about what they say. I care about their worship. I care about their programs, because you know what? They care for me, and they got me at the center. And I think that even a church like that, Pastor Gary and Kathy would say, I wanna go there. So let me close us in prayer. Josh, I think you're leading us in worship from here. But Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for Jesus, the shepherd par excellence. The one whom, when we watch him and catch from his life what it looks like to lay down our life for one another. And so God, I want to pray today, would you take your word? Would you take the scripture we looked at today, and God, would your Holy Spirit speak to each one of us personally? And God, would you call out of our lives to begin to expand, to sanctify, to broaden the way we live our lives, that we would be people who care for one another, not because it's our ministry, but because our call. 
And God, that we would be people that rely upon Jesus, do things in my soul that nobody else can do. So Lord, we invite you, work in this church, work in each one of us, I ask in Jesus' name, amen.